Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. 
Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio right here, five nights a week, Monday through Friday, on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable, G-A-B-L-E, at yahoo.com. Find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And check out our growing show archive, montage archive, and my books by visiting our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. That's thesecretteachings.info. Thank you for joining us on The Secret Teachings this evening. I have an incredible stack of research documents to share with you tonight. And I feel that the information that I'm going to present you tonight, although you can find it in little nooks and crannies, little crevices of the internet, maybe in the public library, definitely in a used bookstore, it is information that will change your view, or at least alter your perception to some degree, of history going back tens of millions of years to the time of the dinosaurs and coming all the way from that time period to 2021 and the theories of disease and illness. What I'm talking about here is the astronomical, the as above, so below, if you will, Alternate explanation for disease and illness. Maybe you've never heard of this before. It doesn't necessarily discount other theories of disease or illness. But let me start with this to give you an idea of where I'm specifically going. The Harvard Gazette, that's Harvard University, published a report back in February of 2021. And it talks about the history of the dinosaurs, a history of 65 plus million years ago, and an impact crater off the coast of Mexico that spans 93 miles and goes 12 miles deep. The study was published in Scientific Reports by Frank Baird Jr., Amir Siraj, And, of course, Avi Loeb, who many of you might know from other radio shows. And it puts forth a new theory that explains the origin and journey of the object that smashed into the earth and caused what scientists believed the primary initiating death sequence of the dinosaurs. Now, While that story 
might be big news to some people and irrelevant to others. Maybe you just don't care. Maybe you have religious convictions and you don't believe in dinosaurs, whatever the case might be. There's an interesting piece of data that exists within the story of the dinosaur extinction, as we call it. And that deals in the rock, the debris, the structure, whatever it was that struck the Earth. Call it an asteroid. Others call it a comet. Now, it's well known in astrophysics and in basic science classes that you take that a comet is comprised of gases. It's comprised of various chemicals, microbes even, metal, rock, dust, space debris. And when that object enters into a planetary atmosphere quickly and strikes the planet in the case of 65 plus million years ago, even if the impact didn't immediately kill the dinosaurs, it would have created, at least theoretically, and in you know programmed computer models, it would have created what amounts to a nuclear winter, blocking sunlight, launching debris into the atmosphere. This would have caused starvation. It would have probably caused disease just because of the lack of sunlight, the lack of vegetation, the lack of proper nutrients. But it would have also brought something else into the atmosphere. If all the dinosaurs were not wiped out immediately, which is kind of like the pop culture view, the general idea is that about 70% of plant and animal life vanished. And all of the dinosaurs who were not birds or bird-like eventually died out relatively soon after that impact. But the comet also brought other things, things that you'll learn about in your science class, things that you'll learn about if you go into more advanced forms of sciences. They just don't put an emphasis on it, which I find strange considering how important this detail is. And that is comets are made up of gases, of chemicals, of microbes, of metal, of rocks, of space dust, debris. And when that object comes into the atmosphere or the tail of that object is in a position for when the planet moves through it, the object goes past Earth and the object leaves the vicinity of Earth. And that tail, all that ice that melts off with the sunlight, as we're told, the Earth passes through that and whatever is in that ice cloud that evaporates, that turns into dust, is then incorporated into the Earth's atmosphere, or at least, if not incorporated, in the sense of the definition of that word, it comes into our atmosphere. And the different kinds of things that are on a comet are things like carbon dioxide, methane, and ammonia. Now, if you were to look up methane, ammonia, and carbon dioxide, you could find government websites from the UK to the United States. You can go to the CDC. Really, 
pick whichever source of information you'd like. And you can read about exposures to things like ammonium, uh, things like carbon dioxide and methane. And so let's do that very quickly. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, published on the CDC website. High levels of ammonia can irritate and burn the skin, mouth, throat, lungs, and eyes. Very high levels of ammonia can damage the lungs or cause death. Workers may be harmed from exposure to ammonia. It obviously depends on the exposure, dosage, how long the person is working. This particular piece is referring to NIOSH, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. It doesn't really matter where you get the source of information. It's pretty well agreed upon that methane, ammonia, and carbon dioxide, as well as mercury, aluminum, etc., that these things are not necessarily good if you're a human to come into contact with them, ingesting them, swallowing them, etc. So ammonia, it irritates and burns the skin, mouth, throat, lungs, and eyes. Very high levels of ammonia, it says on the CDC website, can damage the lungs or cause death. Now, something like methane has similar exposure effects. Methane reduces the amount of oxygen breathed in the air. Meaning that you will likely have mood changes, slurred speech, vision problems, memory loss, nausea, vomiting, facial flushing, headache, confusion. Exposure to carbon dioxide produces a number of health effects as well, including headaches, dizziness, a tingling or a needle sensation feeling in parts of the body, difficulty breathing, coma, heart rate increase, sweating, tiredness, convulsion, and asphyxia. Now, what do those three things have in common? Ammonia, methane, and carbon dioxide. Well, they all affect in some cases, in a direct, detrimental, deadly way, our ability to breathe. Carbon dioxide exposure, too much of it, can cause asphyxia and general difficulty breathing. Methane exposure limits the amount of oxygen breathed in the air. Ammonia, high levels, can damage the lungs or directly cause death. Now, if a comet races by Earth and there are things like ammonia, methane, and carbon dioxide that are encased in ice and the ice melts and it sprays a tail outward and the Earth moves through that tail and a large amount of ammonia, a large amount of methane, a large amount of carbon dioxide and other things become incorporated in our earthly environment. This can cause severe health problems. It can also, and this is very interesting and very obvious, it can also account for worldwide sickness, worldwide illness, occurring at the exact same time with the exact same symptoms 
across vast regions of the planet, across oceans, across continents. Now today, we say that an illness such as that, affecting so many people across the world, must be from the Greek pandemos, pan meaning all, demos meaning people, or panique, as in the goat god pan. A pandemic is something that affects all people, or generally it affects all people in some way, some more than others. So we blame that on a virus. We say a virus spreads around the world, it infects people, it makes them sick, and then it vanishes. Well, some of them vanish. Influenza in particular tends to come and go on a whim. We get flu season, and then the season's over and the flu goes into the off season, you know, and it, it, it trains rigorously to come back the next year. Hopefully it can win the championship if it didn't before. Influenza is named after the influence of the heavenly bodies, of the stars. Influenza was never thought to be contagious. And from the time that researchers began investigating influenza, it was believed that influenza was not only not transmissible between person to person, but that it was caused in some part by solar activity, by magnetic activity. And outbreaks of what we call influenza occurred during the height of 11-year solar cycles. So the sun, in direct relationship with global pandemics for hundreds of years, plays a vital role in explaining why people have gotten sick, at least on the surface looking at the data. The sun plays a vital role. Its 11-year cycles, the height of those cycles, correlates with major illnesses and sicknesses on the planet. But other things can also cause those illnesses. Comets, asteroids that fly by. And if there's ammonia, methane, carbon dioxide, and other things, those things get into the atmosphere. They damage the lungs like ammonia. They restrict oxygen intake like methane. And they cause difficulty breathing and asphyxia like carbon dioxide. Now these are the official explanations of exposure to carbon dioxide, methane, and ammonia. They are the official contents of a comet but they are not even the unofficial components of an explanation of what causes worldwide disease what causes worldwide influenzas tonight on the secret teachings i'm going to break this down for you and hopefully provide you with a different perspective on pandemics a different perspective on history and maybe a different perspective on the death of those dinosaurs. This is The Secret Teachings, and there's more after this. Stay with us right here on The Fringe FM. You are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, where you can catch The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable five nights a week after Lighting the Void with Joe Rook. 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in? Join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where we explore the unrevealed. Every Wednesday night, live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm.
Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. And if you ever paid attention in your home, you probably have a carbon monoxide detector. You're always told to watch out for exposure to carbon monoxide. You also are told as a kid to stay away from that thermometer in the swimming pool because of the mercury. You're also told to avoid certain fish because of mercury exposure. And yet, mercury is found in a number of so-called medicinal products. Mercury is found in a number of vaccines, and they try to make a difference, cultivate a difference between methyl and ethyl mercury because one is processed faster as if processing a poison faster makes it any less poisonous. Mercury is one of the most toxic substances known to man, and it has been used from vaccines to skin salves that have been traditionally responsible for the peeling off of one's skin, which has been attributed to things like leprosy. Now that's mercury. What about carbon monoxide? You're told to watch out for carbon monoxide. In fact, carbon monoxide poisoning on a minor level leads to headache, dizziness, upset stomach, vomiting, chest pain, and confusion. So you probably shouldn't be exposed to carbon monoxide. And you're told to be aware of carbon monoxide. You're told to be aware of mercury, but only in some settings. Now, what about ammonia? What about methane? It's not debated that comets contain things like carbon dioxide, methane, dust, space debris, ice, metal, and other things that might be harmful to human health. Now, the traditional idea, the traditional story is a comet it flies by, the sun melts the ice, and so you get this long tail of chemicals, of dust containing who knows what, and maybe that comet doesn't smash into the planet and exterminate the dinosaurs directly or indirectly. Maybe that comet zooms by the planet. It's gone. But there's a tail of debris left behind, and the Earth passes through that tail, and then people on Earth start getting sick. People on Earth start having respiratory issues. They have irritation of the skin, of the throat, of the eyes, of the mouth, of the mucous membranes, and of the lungs, of which high levels of ammonia can damage to the point of causing death. People are exposed to methane, which reduces the amount of oxygen that can be breathed in the air, leading to some of the same effects as exposure to ammonia. It's not that ammonia or methane specifically attack a certain part of the body, because if they cause skin problems and they cause respiratory problems, that's because these are the methods by which the methane or the ammonia get into or onto the body. 
And the body is a complex processing system that attempts to protect itself from pollutants, toxins, poisons, etc. So your body will try to get rid of the toxins and the poison, but enough exposure leads to memory loss, vision problems, and a whole list of other symptoms of that kind of exposure to a methane or ammonia. Even carbon dioxide in high levels can cause difficulty breathing. We don't breathe carbon dioxide. We're not plants. Too much carbon dioxide, not enough oxygen, causes asphyxia. Ammonia, methane, and carbon dioxide are three specific things that are found in a comet. And I just pulled it up to verify it. Space.com. I just went to space.com. And I typed in and found an article from 2017, Comets, Facts About the Dirty Snowballs of Space. And what I found in the article was just an acknowledgement that, quote, comets contain dust, ice, carbon dioxide, ammonia, methane, and more. That they are left over from the material that initially formed the solar system about 4.6 billion years ago. And then I looked up ammonia, methane, and carbon dioxide separately, and I found that they cause these problems. Lung damage, asphyxiation, reduction of oxygen, confusion, rapid heartbeat, elevated blood pressure, coma, dizziness, etc., etc., etc. Some of the same symptoms of exposure to various forms of viruses or bacterial infections. It's not the virus or the bacteria specifically causing one thing or another, one problem or another. It's the body reacting to its environment. So if we think about comets in this way, it's logical, it's reasonable. In fact, it's quite scientific to not assume, but to determine conclusively that despite what may have been responsible for past pandemics throughout the world, from the plague of Athens to the plague of Justinian to the Black Death to various smaller plagues in England in the 17th century, to what we consider to be pandemics in the 20th and 21st century, that these could be caused by various factors and environmental conditions that don't necessarily have anything to do with a virus or bacteria. I mean, the official narrative for the Black Death is that rats spread the disease through infected fleas that were carrying, on both them and the rats, this bacteria... And this made people sick. The problem is, despite the fact that the World Health Organization to this day still claims that the Black Death as an infectious disease is caused by bacteria and that that bacteria is, quote, usually found in small mammals and other fleas. That is, despite the fact that there is a lack of any evidence pertaining to dead rats or mass piles of dead rats that were carrying this disease that is 
reinforced by the mainstream narrative. And some places didn't even have a rat population at all until after the plague, and yet they were affected by it as well. And if they had a minor rat population, it certainly wasn't enough, as we've been told officially, to have caused the widespread sickness and disease. The World Health Organization's official explanation for the Black Death, or the plague, also doesn't account for how the fleas were completely unaffected by this disease-causing bacteria that they are alleged to have carried. So this should make us think a little bit. In fact, if we don't think, we're probably less advanced intellectually than our ancestors because the Greeks and the Romans believed that the appearance of comets, meteors, and meteor showers were portentous. They were portents. They were things that could be used to foretell disaster, signs that something good or bad had happened or was about to happen. Now, you could say that's based on superstition. That's based on nonsense. A comet doesn't foretell anything, even if it happens to coincide with the death of a king, a queen, a great leader, an emperor, you name it. But consider why the Greeks or the Romans may have believed that comets, meteors, and other celestial objects were portents of things to come or things that had happened. Maybe because when they saw them in the skies, things often turned chaotic on planet Earth. In the 5th century B.C., what is referred to as the Plague of Athens sparked an illness that people began suffering from and expressing symptoms of bleeding from the mouth, internal bleeding, spasms that were likely neurological in nature. A century later, the plague of Justinian led to very similar symptoms, delusions, fever, comas, And what we call the plague is very similar in how it seems to appear and disappear to something like influenza. And in fact, influenza has a heavenly origin as well because influenza comes from the influence of the stars. And originally, it was believed that influenza was not contagious and that in fact, Influenza as an illness, as a sickness, originally considered more neurological than it was respiratory, more psychological than it was respiratory. People were put into mental institutions, not into the respiratory care that we think of when we think of influenza today. At the height of solar cycles, the 11-year period 
of solar activity, of magnetic activity, just so happens historically to correlate with outbreaks of influenza, of pandemics. And influenza, even to this day, confuses scientists and doctors. How does it just come and go away, come and go away, come and go away? How does the plague, or at least how did the plague, come and go away, come and go away? You can say, well, they've isolated influenza, and there's so many strains of influenza, and they've isolated the bacteria. They know what the plague is. I mean, on occasion, you'll find squirrels that still have the bacteria, but they're not sick today in places like San Francisco and other parts of California. You can read mainline news articles in the last couple of years. You know, squirrel found with the plague. Oregon has several parks where they've found squirrels that have officially the plague, but they're not really sick. So we have to consider the origin of belief in why comets were portents of things that could or have already happened, good or bad, and why the word influenza just means influence of the stars. The stars have something to do as above with what is below as below. And perhaps the Greeks and the Romans noticed that when a comet passed overhead, people would get sick. Scientifically speaking, chemically speaking, biologically speaking, physiologically speaking, if that comet is carrying ammonia and methane, among other things, and people are exposed to that, particularly in a much more clean environment in Greek and Roman times. Now, clearly, I don't mean clean in terms of city living, plumbing, hygiene. I mean clean as in lack of man-made pollutants in the atmosphere. A more clean atmosphere. And here comes the ammonia. Here comes that methane in high doses. People start getting sick. People start vomiting. People start bleeding internally. People start spasming, having delusions, fevers, comas, etc., And they grow these large buboes, the black bumps, the swelling, which has been identified as simply being the body attempting to excrete poison, just like a virus known as a poison that works in the body, something in the body identified as a virus that works to extract poison from the body and remove it. You could genetically engineer that theoretically to introduce something into the body, something genetically engineered, as we discussed last night on the show. But exposure to ammonia, exposure to methane, exposure to carbon dioxide causes the very symptoms of influenza. It causes the very symptoms of your C-19 also does exposure to sulfur dioxide and shock dust, two things that are being humanly injected into the atmosphere. Not heavenly, but earthly. Not God, but man injecting into the atmosphere to control the jet stream, to control the amount of sunlight that reaches the earth, etc. It's called geoengineering. You can look it up officially. Harvard University, Bill Gates, the Telegraph, The Guardian, mainstream news, it's all over the place now. They've also talked about spraying chemicals 
to create a man-made chemical sunshade. Those chemicals, that shock dust, that sulfur dioxide, like the methane, like the ammonia from a comet, it's not that it might make you sick. It's that it will make you sick. But we don't attribute that illness to the comet or to the geoengineering or to even our food for that matter. We can't even create a consensus understanding through facts and real science that food and that clean water play a major role or that even stress for that matter plays a major role in whether or not you are healthy or sick or at least if you feel good or you don't feel good. If we can't understand that poisoned food with chemicals and heavy metals and various artificial flavorings, if we don't understand that that and the highly processed sugar and flour causes disease, high amounts of fat, saturated fat, animal products causes disease, poisoned water, Indirectly, it's not a conspiracy, just poison water, runoff from factory farms, birth control dumped down the drain, atrazine sprayed. All the things that are happening around us, very easily documented and provable, that affect us. If we can't figure that out and clean our water, we can't figure that out and eat better food, then how do we expect there to be an open discussion about the effects that comets might have on planet Earth and why the Greeks and the Romans and others saw comets as portents often of death and the overthrowing of a kingdom or the decline of a kingdom. Yes, they're symbols. Yes, it's from God. It's in the heavens. But these people were not stupid. And if we consider the Greeks and the Romans to be ignorant because of our presentism bias, then we must recognize that in 2021, some people are literally living their lifestyles like the movie Idiocracy. Like they're sitting on a toilet couch watching that show where people get kicked in the balls. And if that's what the people are doing today, it doesn't mean the rest of our civilization today is dumb. If the average person in Greek and Roman times were doing the equivalent to watching, I just got kicked in the balls, it doesn't mean that there weren't smart, wise, intelligent men and women, powerful leaders and soldiers and people that revolutionized the world for that time and even to this day. The architecture alone is repeated in the 21st century. Government buildings constructed and built and designed after Roman architecture. They believed that those comets played a part because there's a direct correlation with their existence and then with effects on Earth. That's actually the definition of science. Physical, natural observation. Now, we look for the physical evidence that there's something causing the problem that we're witnessing. People have trouble breathing. People are nauseous. They have memory loss. Trouble seeing, trouble with blood pressure, heart rate, 
They go into a coma. They have this tingling sensation in their body. Well, this is a result of exposure to ammonia, methane, carbon dioxide, and something else that just like food, we think little to nothing about, and that is electricity and how electricity affects us. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, no, they turned the 5G towers on. We're all going to die. I'm talking about people like Sir Jagadis Chunder Bose. This man wrote a number of books in the early 20th century about plants. He was a botanist. He was a very, very educated man. He was the officiating professor of physics at the Presidency College in Calcutta in uh, 1885. And he wrote a number of books about plants, one called Plant Response, one called The Nervous Mechanism of Plants, one called The Physiology of the Ascent of Sap, and Plant Autographs and Their Revelations. That was in 1917. These are books that I had never heard of. What he found were that plants, ordinary plants, when he zoomed in with his instruments and he developed new instruments to examine these plants, he noticed that these plants, normal, everyday, average plants, had action potentials like the nerves of animals. So he performed and conducted experiments on the nerves of things like a fern. In the same way that physiologists do this with the nerves of a frog. And he located pulsating cells in the plant's stem that are responsible for the pumping of sap through the plant. And that they have especially and that they have specially designed by nature electric properties. And so he built a machine called a magnetic and I can't pronounce this last word, spigmograph that magnified the pulsations 10 million times and measured changes in sap pressure. And he did this and eventually found with other researchers that a very, 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 very minor electrical disturbance could change plants at a very basic biological, physiological level. Here's a man who has been virtually written out of history books like a Nikola Tesla, written out of studies in botany, physics, etc., whose books are probably still available if you really try to dig for them, the reprints, the republications, from the early 20th century proving that plants were really no different than humans, and therefore humans are no different than plants, or plants are no different than animals, and animals are really not that much different physically, biologically than humans, even genetically for that matter. So if a plant, on what amounts to a microscopic level, is so dramatically affected by electricity that the sap in a plant is moved slower or faster because of electrical currents, because of, a, of an electrical charge, the same thing happens in animals and the same thing certainly happens in humans considering the complexity of the nervous system and the complexity of the whole human vessel. So if that were the case, 
then you could consider that things like exposure to carbon dioxide, methane, and ammonia in a comet, the symptoms, the side effects of that exposure could likewise be felt from exposure to electricity. In fact, a couple hundred years ago, this was pretty well known. That exposure to electricity and a very, very small amount of electricity, this was basically discovered and kind of coined as an idea and as a term, neurasthenia, or weak nerves, by a George Miller Baird, M.D., who lived from 1839 to 1883. He described this disease in 1869, but he did not have an idea as per what the cause was. He just thought it was a disease of modern civilization caused by stress. He gave it the name neurasthenia, N-E-U-R-A-S-T-H-E-N-I-A, or weak nerves. Another woman who played a part in bringing this to public light, although she suffered from it herself, was a Dr. Margaret Abigail Cleves from Wisconsin. And the people that are exposed to such a thing suffer symptoms as such. Heart palpitations, arrhythmias and chest pain, perspiration, tremors and shivering, diarrhea, numbness and tingling, insomnia, vomiting, general weakness, exhaustion, oh, and shortness of breath and asthma attacks. And we know that asthma and the lungs are directly connected to the skin, therefore skin eruptions. Dizziness, tingling, pains in the body, difficulty breathing. This is the symptom complex of CO2 exposure. It's the symptom complex, vomiting, nausea, headaches, mood changes, vision problems. It's the symptom complex exposure of methane. It's the symptom complex exposure, and it's most severe in the damage it causes to the lungs with exposure to ammonia. But this is exposure to electricity. This is the exposure to the electrical currents that are moving through all the electrical devices that you have in your home, your car, that are all around us. Minor electrical, quote-unquote, disturbances. Minor electrical disturbances. Now, you bathe the whole planet in alternating currents, direct currents, Wi-Fi, various forms of different generational technologies, cell towers, satellites, the Neuralink system, and you get a planet that is literally wired from north to south, west to east, in a prison of energy that in its most minor exposure causes sickness and its amplified exposure causes death. But the body is so incredible, it can actually adapt to it. Though it takes a while for that adaptation to occur in the general population. And therefore, with the advent 
of the electrical age as we know it at the end of the 1800s. Around the time of the current wars between the AC and the DC, Nikola Tesla, Westinghouse, Thomas Edison, others like the Hungarian men, Karoloy, Zibranowski, Otis, Blothy, and Max Derhe that designed a complete AC generation system in 1885. Tesla invented in 1888 the polyphase AC motor. In 1889, electrical disturbances and electricity exploded onto the scene, way beyond a few telephones in New York, way beyond telegraph lines, way beyond a few little light bulb-like devices, a few little electrical currents, wiring the entirety of the planet. And when that happened in 1889, something else happened in 1889, something that doctors and scientists had not seen before, at least on the level that it had existed. It was something akin to the Black Death, the plague of the 5th, 6th, 14th, and 17th centuries. As the electrical age begins, doctors and scientists and psychologists from America to Europe to Asia to Africa, even to the land down under, began reporting a form of influenza, which, as it had appeared in the past, was considered to be under the influence of the stars and associated with the height of solar Magnetic activity, solar cycles, 11-year cycles, and considered pandemics when all the people uh, generally are affected by it. And when this happened in 1889, over the ensuing years, a million or so people died, and things began to balance back out after great exposure to this new electrical grid. And the people that were Sick from this exposure, interestingly enough, if you go deep enough into this history, they were not even suffering from the various forms of what we consider to be influenza today. They were suffering more so from psychological problems. Respiratory symptoms were pretty much absent. Neurological symptoms were the primary effects of the 1889 and ensuing influenza pandemics. And I want to leave you with that as we proceed to break right here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on The Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. 
For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced and improved sound quality, edit out those awkward pauses and slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volumes, deliver consistent sound, live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels allowed to measure broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, no artwork. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. The biggest thing is time. A lot of people that podcast don't have time. It's going to take you months to launch. We did it for you. We could do it tomorrow. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. This is Jess Rogie, host of the Rogie Report, and you're listening to the Fringe FM, KTLK, digital broadcasting. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm.
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio right here on The Fringe FM. There's a really interesting book written by a professor, Mike Bailey, a dendrochronologist who studied tree ring data from the 14th century, which led him to discover something very interesting, along with a study of ice core data and 14th century accounts of a major event that transpired. Professor Bailey wrote a book called New Light on the Black Death. And in that book, he includes some of the contemporary documents. One of the extracts from the book reads, There have been masses of dead fish, animals, and other things along the seashore, and in many places trees covered in dust. And all these things seem to have come from the great corruption of the air and earth. He goes on to say, The Black Death sits in a clear environmental trough, visible in smothered tree ring chronologies from around the world. The most likely mechanism would be through affecting their respiration system in some catastrophic way. After all, Writer after writer on the Black Death makes the point that it is the pulmonary form of the disease that was the dominant killer. Here he is referencing the mechanism by which the plague killed people. He goes on to say that, quote, There really is enough information about comets, earthquakes, and ammonium to permit the quite assertion There really is enough information about comets, earthquakes, and ammonium to permit the quiet, serious suggestion that the Black Death was due to an impact by comet debris on the 25th of January, 1348, as witnessed by the major earthquake on that day. It's a really incredible book. And it talks about the manner in which people reported an evil-smelling chemical. It references that these chemicals that people smelt, the chemicals, the things in the air, the haze, the mist, in the myth of the plague, that a strange mist would cover the land and then people would begin to get sick. Well, as this professor pointed out, comet debris that struck the earth in 1348 and triggered various earthquakes. It wasn't the comet debris directly or the earthquake directly. People weren't hit by comet debris in the head and swallowed up by an earthquake or a volcanic eruption for that matter. But the noxious Gases, the ammonia, the methane. He's just presenting information found in ice core data and tree growth patterns. The ammonia, the methane, carbon dioxide, these are things that officially are in your average comet. And if that comet strikes the Earth or the Earth passes through the tail of a comet... Ammonia, methane, carbon dioxide, and other things make it into our atmosphere. And if they make it into our atmosphere, it can affect 
the exposure to these things, the entire world. Some people are going to be more susceptible, some people less susceptible. But people will experience damage to the lungs, the mucous membranes, the skin, mouth, throat, lungs, and eyes, have memory loss, nausea, vomiting, emotional mood swings, slurred speech, dizziness, a tingling sensation, difficulty breathing, asphyxia. I'm just reading you the list of symptom complexes, the list of the effects of being exposed to first ammonia, then methane, then carbon dioxide. Exposure to all three and other things at the same time would, of course, exacerbate the problem. At least I would theorize it would. So what happens when these things are in the atmosphere and people breathe them in? People get very sick. But exposure to things like ammonia resulting in the types of side effects or the types of symptoms of such exposure are very similar to the effects of what amounts to electrical poisoning. Now, in 1889, historians tend to agree that the electrical age as we know it truly began. And prior to that, there were telegraph lines, a handful of people had phones, there were wires stretched across cities from New York to Baltimore, and it was a novel thing. And telegraph companies would go to private residences and they would ask if they could pay them to put the lines over their homes. The same thing is being done today with fifth-generational technology. And as the telegraph market expanded from private to public, telephones from the ultra-wealthy and the private to the public and the average person, as the ability of people, because of the availability of the product, to acquire such a thing grew, so did the elements of exposure to the technology that was now implemented on a mass scale. And so around the 1880s, around this time period, 1885, the AC generation and distribution system began installing in Europe. Nikola Tesla, three years later, patented the polyphase AC motor. George Westinghouse adopted the AC system in the spring of 1887, just a year before Tesla patented the polyphase AC motor. And the battle of the currents escalated between Westinghouse and the infamous Edison. Between AC alternating current and DC direct current. And around the peak of this war and the peak of the electrical age being birthed, the beginning of the electrical age being birthed, I should say, the peak of the war, 1889 saw the introduction of something that had been seen before, but just not in the same way. Prior to 1889, people had experienced bouts of what were referred to as influenza. And in those days, influenza was a sickness and it was often classified not so much, and especially in 1889, as a respiratory problem, 
it was considered a neurological problem. And it just so happens to be that major influenza, call them pandemics from the Greek pandemos, meaning all people, or pan, the goat god, panic, the people that were part of these pandemics, the people that were sick, were sick directly in relationship to the height of an 11-year solar cycle, the height of the sun's magnetic activity. And many researchers have shown this, that as solar activity increases, so does influenza. There were multiple physicians, multiple scientists throughout history who have theorized and attempted to confirm this. One, for example, a Danish physician, Johannes Mig. Others, maybe you're looking for something more current. In 2001, Canadian astronomer Ken Tapping, together with two British Columbia physicians, confirmed again that influenza pandemics have aligned with peaks of solar magnetic activity, the height of each 11-year solar cycle. That people were getting sick because of increased solar activity. And therefore, because of that detail, and because of the general, what we would call paranoia, some might call faith, because of the general influence of the heavens, be them comets, like the Greeks and Romans believed, were portents of good or bad things that have happened or will happen, because they saw the direct effects, comets, sickness, comets, destruction, or because of solar activity and sickness, among so many other things, many of which may never be identifiable, influenza received its name from the influence, the influenza of the stars. And it was not considered to be contagious. Now, introduce into the equation comets, earthquakes, and volcanoes. Earthquakes and volcanoes, both of which can be triggered by solar activity, and even electromagnetic weapons that are created by mankind, and comets that see part of their bodily structure melted off because of solar radiation, solar heat, therefore releasing things like methane and ammonia into the atmosphere of a moving planet like the Earth, therefore causing sickness, therefore causing disease. And as Professor Mike Bailey said in his book, New Light on the Black Death, there really is enough information about comets, earthquakes, and ammonium to permit the quite serious suggestion that the Black Death was due to an impact by comet debris on the 25th of January, 1348, as witnessed by the major earthquake on that day. He says, apart from ammonium, it is now known that a range of unpleasant, toxic, and evil-smelling chemicals, including hydrogen sulfide, 
and carbon disulfide have been detected in recent comets. Now you put that stuff on planet Earth and people get sick. Comets can cause pandemics. Not necessarily because of microbes now, but because of chemicals. Because of toxins that are released. Hydrogen sulfide, carbon disulfide, ammonium, things that are well known to exist in most, if not all, comets. Now, when you look into the history of influenza, it aligns in relationship to its influence, uh, influence of the stars, not being contagious, but being aligned with its association in magnetic solar activity, the height of 11-year solar cycles. These pandemics came and went and affected people all over the Earth. Today, we have planes, we have trains, we have automobiles. Hundreds of years ago, They didn't have planes and trains and automobiles. So for something to affect generally the whole world, it's highly, 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 highly unlikely it was a viral contagion spreading from person to person to person to person. The alternate explanation that makes more sense is it was something from the heavens. It was solar. It was space debris, a comet, an asteroid. It was something that passed by the earth, struck the earth, or directly affected the earth through what we call solar radiation. Now, even one of the world's authorities on epidemiology and influenza, in 1992, R. Edgar Hope Simpson published a book reviewing the known facts about influenza, pointing out that they did not support the mode of transmission by direct human-to-human contact. One of the leading epidemiological researchers of influenza. One of the leading researchers of influenza. That is not transmitted person to person. Richard Shope, the researcher who isolated the first flu virus in pigs in 1931, also didn't believe that so many of these influenza outbreaks could be explained by contagion. That it's not spread person to person. And that there are other factors that go into why people get sick. There's also the Danish physician, Johannes Mig, who also aligned influenza pandemics with maximum solar activity. Dr. Benjamin Lee of Pennsylvania State Board of Health said, quote, Influenza spreads like a flood, inundating whole sections in an hour. It is scarcely conceivable that a disease which spreads with such astonishing rapidity goes through the process of redevelopment in each person infected and is only communicated from person to person or by infected articles. 
And then there are the incredible stories of soldiers at sea or sailors at sea who become sick, arrive at port to find that there is sickness where they are, but prior to leaving wherever it was that they had been, there was no sickness. Returning, there is sickness. Some got sick, some didn't get sick. And in fact, an 1857 report on the subject was so incredible that William Beveridge included it in his 1975 textbook on influenza. He stated, quote, The English warship, Arachne, was cruising off the coast of Cuba without any contact with land. No less than 114 men out of a crew of 149 fell ill with influenza, and only later was it learned that there had been outbreaks in Cuba at the same time. I'm going to read you a couple of additional quotes from medical doctors. Alexander Jones, medical doctor, 1827. The Philadelphia Journal of the Medical and Physical Sciences. The simple fact is to be recollected that this epidemic affects a whole region in the space of a week. Nay, a whole continent as large as North America, together with all the West Indies in the course of a few weeks, where the inhabitants over such vast extent of country could not, within so short a lapse of time, have had the least communication or intercourse whatever. This fact alone is sufficient to put all idea of its being propagated by contagion from one individual to another out of the question. Another doctor, Sir Morel McKenzie, 1893. Contagion alone is inadequate to explain the sudden outbreak of the disease in widely distant countries at the same time and the curious way in which it has been known to attack the crews of ships at sea where communications with infected places or persons was out of the question. You may have heard this quote before. James Bordley third, M.D. Two Centuries of American Medicine, 1976. Along with A. McKee Harvey, M.D. Before 1918, there are records of two other major epidemics of influenza in North America during the past two centuries. The first of these occurred in 1789, the year in which George Washington was inaugurated president. The first steamboat did not cross the Atlantic until 1819, and the first steam train did not run until 1830. Thus, this outbreak occurred when man's fastest conveyance was the galloping horse. Despite this fact, the influenza outbreak of 1789 spread with great rapidity, many times faster and many times farther than a horse could gallop. Now, it's interesting that these pandemics, or in some cases epidemics, spread despite the fact that there was limited conveyance, limited transportation, especially globally. Something else had to have been affecting the atmosphere. Could it be the sun? Could it be a comet? Well, for influenza, the influence of the stars, it's likely solar activity considering that major 
pandemics and epidemics align directly with maximums of solar activity. But one thing that's also really important to recognize is a quote by John J. Canal, M.D. In 2008, on the Epidemiology of Influenza, published in Virology Journal. Now, despite the fact that things in the past have quote-unquote spread Regardless of conveyance, regardless of transportation, John Cannell said, Why have epidemic patterns in Great Britain not altered in four centuries? Centuries that have seen great increases in the speed of human transport. So despite the fact that we have increased our access to conveyances, it's a part of daily life, international travel, In places like Great Britain, in the last 400-plus years, epidemic patterns have not changed, meaning that it's not transportation. It's not the transmissible method of spreading that we believe from human to human. I mean, one of the leading researchers on influenza, R. Edgar Hope Simpson, stated the same thing that the data does not support a mode of transmission by direct human-to-human contact. Others have found the same thing. Others have found that it aligns with these pandemics do, the height of solar activity, as did Canadian astronomer Ken Tapping and two British Columbia physicians back in 2001, that influenza pandemics have been most likely to occur during peaks of solar magnetic activity the height of each 11-year sun cycle. And despite all of this information, one of the simplest things that we miss is the definition of words. Because when you say a virus is transmitted, well, if a virus means a noxious substance, that could be a chemical, that could be feces, that could be pus from somebody's welt on their arm, a pustulate. Well, the first form of inoculation was transferring that pus to an intentional wound created by scratch marks on another person. Here's proof we can transmit the virus. Well, what is a virus? It's a noxious substance that's being transferred. Same thing with the word nervous. Nervous did not necessarily in the old days mean that you're having this nervous breakdown like you think of the word nervous today, it had a different meaning. In the same way that we think of hysteria, and traditionally that women were hysterical, because hysteria relates to the female reproductive organs. Hysterical. Hysteria. A hysterectomy. Hysteria in Greek means uterus. Same thing with hypochondria. Hypochondria refers to the abdominal region. Those who had issues in that part of the body who were men were hypochondriacs. Those who were women were hysterical. You know, I've heard people say, men have controlled the world forever. And in the old days, they used to say women were hysterical and lock them away. I think you're missing the definition of the word there, young lady. Uh, That word doesn't mean what you think it means, okay? 
Uh, that word means you were having an actual medical condition uh, just a few hundred years ago. Uh, does that mean that people didn't lock other people away because they thought they were crazy? Uh, they certainly did. People that had influenza, for example, in 1889, hundreds, thousands of patients were actually put not in hospitals for respiratory symptoms. They were put into institutions for neurological symptoms. That's your original influenza. Neurological issues were the first nervous disorders. A nervous disorder wasn't, I'm really nervous to go on this date. I'm really nervous for this job interview. A neurological disorder was epilepsy, paralysis, cramps, constipation, even alcoholism. Gout was considered a neurological problem. Now, when you take into consideration all that we think we know today, it's pretty incredible that there are people such as the medical doctor George Miller Beard, who in 1869, not describing the cause, but describing a disease of what he said was probably because of stress of modern civilization. He gave it the name neurasthenia, which just means weak nerves. And when he gave it this name, weak nerves, obviously you might think, well, that's nervous disorder. No. Weak nerves, it meant that there were physical conditions with the body. Hypochondriac, remember that? Hysteria, the uterus, remember that? These words meant something different in these days. People who were telegraph operators, phone operators, succumbed to this sickness quite quickly. And doctors really didn't know what to do. It was something that they had never really seen before. And it was... Around the time of Mr. Beard, medical doctor, that there were some people that were trying to figure what was going on. They were trying to figure this out, but they were using electrotherapy. One of them was Margaret Abigail Cleves, a medical doctor, and she was suffering from the same condition. Uh, this was known as telegraphic sickness, telegrapher's cramp. It was known as neurosthenia. It was known under a bunch of different names. Railway spine. People that worked on the railways got sick, but it was really because they worked on the railways and there were telegraph lines above the railways. They were getting sick because of what was passing through those wires. And so, electrical illness, historically, is the same kind of illness that you would acquire the symptoms that you would display if you were exposed to high levels of methane or ammonia, the things found in comets. The comets that are going to pass through the Earth's future path, leaving behind a trail of debris that then makes it into the atmosphere or striking the Earth and bringing those chemicals with it, making people very sick. Therefore, the comet can cause disease. Hence, the Greek and the Roman belief that comets were portents of future or something that was more historical, something that had happened, events. Something that had happened in the sense that communication is much different in these days. So something might have happened somewhere else in the world or the known world. You didn't know it happened, but that comet signified something important had happened. 
from the plague of Athens in the 5th century to the plague of Justinian in the 6th century to the 14th century Black Death to the 17th century plague in England and all the various influenza pandemics, the major one beginning in 1889, the minor ones and the major ones, all associated with, directly, the height of solar cycles, the 11-year magnetic peak solar activity. Hence the word influenza, the influence of the stars. I know we've gone over break, but this information is critical. It is vital to understanding what is happening today. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more of this when we come back in the final segment. Please don't go anywhere Unless you go to the website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to the archive, it's www.thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe, you get access to all the shows, all the research. You can download and stream the shows, download and stream the montages, download and read my books on the website, or you can grab a physical copy of one of the books. All three together, you get a discount. Autographed with free shipping in the United States. It's a great deal. It supports the network, it supports you, and it supports the secret teachings and sincerely, truly helps to keep us on air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday right here on the Fringe FM. And the best part is, for the month of June, it's only $45 for all of that. The subscription to the archive, the montages, the digital books, and a free autographed physical book with free shipping. $45 PayPal the email rdgable at yahoo.com or just check out the website thesecretteachings.info Stay with us. There's more after this. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients even those in your pet food with free solutions to better health then check out food philosophy all three of these books are available in soft cover or pdf at www.thesecretteachings.info that's where you can read reviews see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. 
As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. The music tonight, White Bat Audio and Secession Studios. If you'd like to contact The Secret Teachings, myself, or the network, you can email rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And check out our website with show archive, montage archive, my digital books, and more at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can also grab the books separately on the website or in a combo pack, a trilogy pack, all three of them for a discount. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe to the archive to support the secret teachings yourself, and The Fringe FM. And if you're looking for more information on The Fringe FM, type in thefringe.fm or simply fringe, F-R-I-N-G-E, dot FM and support the network today. For hundreds of years, scientists and doctors have tried to figure out 
why influenza comes and goes so sporadically. Some researchers have come to the conclusion, physicians, scientists, and others, in those days and in recent days, as early as the year 2001, when two physicians and an astronomer found that influenza was directly connected to solar activity. When there is increased solar activity, a solar maximum, the height of solar activity correlates directly with historical epidemics or what you could refer to as a pandemic to some extent of influenza. This has been documented by several researchers Physicians, astronomers, and others all confirming the same thing. You might believe that a virus causes influenza, and you'd be right to think that considering that how well-studied influenza is. Is it a conspiracy to conceal a cure? How do people keep getting this sickness? How does it transform so rapidly, so quickly? We can't stop it. Vaccines don't work to stop influenza, so how can we not figure this out in 2021? Well, R. Edgar Hope Simpson had an idea, and in 1992, as one of the world's authorities on the epidemiology of influenza, not a quack, not a YouTube hack, one of the leading experts on influenza, He said of all the information, all the facts, all the data that exists on influenza, that includes all the viruses that we identify. Even Richard Shope, the researcher who isolated the first flu virus in pigs in 1931, did not believe that these outbreaks were explained by direct contagion. And Hope Simpson believed the same thing, that there is no data to support a mode of transmission by direct human-to-human contact. In fact, even 100 years ago, let alone two or 300 years ago, sporadic outbreaks of influenza spread across the whole world in a short period of time. There's no trains, there's no planes, there's no automobiles. Not until the early 1800s did we have steam-powered machines, steam-powered trains and steam-powered boats. The early 1800s. Influenza was around, spreading across the world before this. How? Well, there has to be something else that could affect the whole world in this way. And some people more than other people. As some researchers have pointed out, we look to the sun for answers. And with all of the charts and the graphs, the computers and the data that we have today, it's even easier to correlate these flu influenza pandemics, epidemics, with solar cycles. Nobody can dispute that. That is scientific, technical data and fact. But other things in the heavens can also cause people to get sick. Earthquakes can release noxious fumes from the earth. Volcanoes, the same. These can actually be triggered 
by solar activity. They can be triggered by man-made electromagnetic weapons as well. But if we look up into the heavens, we not only see the sun and its influence on the earth and the moon and its influence on the earth and weather patterns, we see comets, we see meteors, we see asteroids. Take any physics class, any basic science class, look up any science article, anything about asteroids or comets or NASA. Look up stories about dinosaurs and 65 plus million years ago, and you'll read about how, and I pulled up one article on this just to see how fast I could find it, from space.com, a new theory on what killed the dinosaurs, a study published by Harvard, It involved Avi Loeb. And it just pretty much tells you, basic English, that these comet impacts, asteroid impacts, whatever struck the Earth, it causes wildfires, earthquakes, ocean waves, tsunamis, but it also releases chemicals into the atmosphere, leading to severe cooling. But they don't say that those chemicals could make animals or dinosaurs or humans sick. They do say that there are certain things in the comet that can have an impact on human life, such as carbon dioxide, ammonia, and methane. All three things affect the body as such. Damage to the lungs, eyes, throat, mouth, skin. Slurred speech, vision problems, memory loss, nausea, vomiting, headache. A tingling sensation in the body, difficulty breathing, asphyxia, increased heart rate, elevated blood pressure, sweating, tiredness. If we go back to who should be a very famous medical doctor, but for most of us, we've never heard of him, George Miller Beard, who in 1869 documented something that he didn't claim to know the cause of, but he thought... This is what we're seeing. This is bizarre. We don't really know what this is. He called it weak nerves or neurasthenia. People who were exposed to electricity experienced a number of symptoms that ranged from irritability and heart palpitations to diarrhea, insomnia, nausea, vomiting, general weakness, exhaustion, tremors, vertigo, a flushing of the extremities and shortness of breath and asthma attacks, which are also directly related to the skin. Therefore, skin inflammation and irritation can occur as a result of exposure to electricity. Electricity causes the same effects as methane or ammonia, just different and arguably more severe effects depending on the amount of exposure. But the body is so incredible that the body is able to adapt to it. And we see this historically. In 1889, it's a long time ago, in 1889, the world was electrified. All across the world, electricity became very common. We take that for granted today. We don't really think much about that. But in 1889, when electricity became very common, the AC-DC power wars intensified and culminated in the whole world being electrified. And at that time, in places like England, when people got influenza, which started in 1889, a pandemic, and spread until about the mid-part of the 1890s, 
People were not sick from respiratory symptoms. They were sick from neurological symptoms. And upon recovery, they were left with neurasthenia or paralysis or a combination of those and epilepsy. One doctor, Sir Morel McKenzie, said, In my opinion, the answer to the riddle of influenza is poisoned nerves. In some cases, it seizes on the part of the nervous system which governs the machinery of respiration, and others on that which presides over the digestive functions, and others again it seems, as it were, to run up and down the nervous keyboard, jarring the delicate mechanism and stirring up disorder and pain in different parts of the body with what almost seems malicious capri. As the nourishment of every tissue and organ in the body is under the direct control of the nervous system, it follows that anything which affects the latter has a prejudicial effect on the former. Hence, it is not surprising that influenza in many cases leaves its mark in damaged structure. Not only the lungs, but the kidneys, the heart, and other internal organs, and the nervous matter itself, may suffer in this way. Moral McKenzie, M.D. Moral McKenzie also said, Contagion alone is inadequate to explain the sudden outbreak of the disease in widely distant countries at the same time. And the curious way in which it has been known to attack the crews of ships at sea where communication with infected places or persons was out of the question. It's a well-documented history, too, even occurring in a textbook by William Beveridge in 1975 on influenza about the Arachne ship off the coast of Cuba had no contact with land. 114 out of 149 men fell ill with influenza, later learning that there were outbreaks in Cuba. Whatever it was that made those men sick, it was certainly not person-to-person transmission. They were certainly more than six feet away at sea. The body is reacting to methane, ammonia, electricity, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, food additives, water additives, things that leach into the water and into food. Animals also are affected by these epidemics. We're not catching the flu from the animal and the animal is not catching the flu from us. Influenza viruses are associated with outbreaks, but they are not identified as the source of the outbreak, and that is a scientific fact. You can equally find logical associations with solar activity and cycles of influenza throughout history. Electrical disturbances on Earth beginning excessively in 1889, with a flu pandemic. And from earthquakes and volcanoes that can be triggered by solar activity, the peak of which is aligned with all major and minor, especially major, flu, influenza epidemics, influenza coming from influence of the stars, to things like comets that release ammonia, carbon dioxide, and methane into the atmosphere 
exposure to which makes animals and humans very sick, and in particular, it targets the respiratory tract. Now, if you want to have a discussion about what is happening today, it's very important to realize that from 1931, 32, 33, around the time the first influenza virus was isolated from a pig by Richard Shope to the modern day, 2021, there are no experimental studies proving, merely they are associating, that influenza, the virus or the disease, is ever transmitted from a single person to a single person. There is no transmissible proof of that anywhere in the literature. There is also no transmissible proof. There is only association made in the original studies on C-19. This is where people get the idea that things like five golf, your five G, maybe that's a way to get around censorship, five golf is responsible for making some people sick. That confuses others because I thought that this was leaked from a laboratory, but you don't believe that that was leaked from a laboratory because you don't believe in contagion. But if it were leaked from a laboratory, how did it make people sick? If it was engineered to do that, how did it make people sick, but they didn't get sick? Or how did they not get sick if it was supposed to make them sick? And why are statistics manipulated? Well, as we discussed last night, You take something natural, a virus, something that comes out of the body, what we call a virus, a different definition than the original word. You take something that comes out of the body, call it an exosome, call it a protective little packet that extracts poison and excretes it from the body. You take that, you engineer it to go into the body and cause harm. You take something good and you engineer it to do something bad. You create a toxic environment in which bacteria and other organisms suffer. And since we need them to be healthy, we suffer as well. And in order to combat these things, we take poisonous substances that are the equivalent to consuming or applying mercury, aluminum and other heavy metals, toxic chemicals, We inject ourselves with experimental gene therapy. We inject ourselves with animal DNA. We inject ourselves with aborted fetal tissue. Because we think that's the conventional wisdom. The doctors and the scientists, they know. Well, I know too because I've read the same literature the doctors and scientists read. I don't need to go through an anatomy class and learn every bone in the body. I don't need to go through a pharmacology class and learn all the drug interactions. I can tell you right now, methane... Poisonous. Ammonia. Poisonous. Mercury. Really poisonous. I can tell you right now, vaccine ingredients. Poisonous. Oh, but the data shows otherwise. Yes, the data shows otherwise because if you give 10 people a shot, any shot, or a drug for that matter, and you give 10 people a placebo of whatever variety, and one person in the real group gets sick. And two people in the other group get sick. It might have nothing to do with 
the drug, the vaccine, or the placebo. Might be something totally different. But you can say one was 90% effective. Doesn't matter if the other, the placebo, was 80% effective. That should warrant some conversation, shouldn't it? But it doesn't, or it rarely does. And these are things that you need to be aware of. These are things that are so incredibly important. Researchers, authors, investigators, people that spend their life looking into things like this, it's important to recognize that what we think is our reality is not so much our reality. What we think we know about history, epidemiology, virology, disease, what we think we know about these things is a dogma. It's a belief. It's an idea. You've got to read the book, What Really Makes You Ill. Read the book by Professor Bailey about the new light on the Black Death. Read the book, The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg. Read my book, Food Philosophy. I extract a lot of details from books like this. I don't go into the excruciating technicality of it. but We talk about things like that in Food Philosophy. Or go a step further, the technological elixir. I have everything in that book from technology and AI to transhumanism, the music industry, and UFO cults. Put all this together. and I do it for you five nights a week. I do it in the books for you so you have a condensed data packet to learn from and to share with people. That's what my intention is. I want to learn with you and I want to share with you and I want to grow with you. And that's what we're doing here on The Secret Teachings. That's my intention. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in tonight and listening to something that's probably a little bit unconventional even to this radio audience. And if it's not, that's wonderful. I'm glad that you have proceeded further in your intellectual pursuits that this isn't a bizarre or strange or off-limits topic. It needs to be discussed. It needs to be shared. Comets, asteroids, the sun, influenza, the Black Death, there are other causes and explanations that make a lot more sense. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Subscribe to the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.